right. Very good morning to all of you. Gives me a great joy to share God's words. And I'm going to go straight into it. Now I'm speaking from Matthew 14, continuing in our series on disciple making. And I've titled my talk today, Christian Walk, Eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew 14, starting from verse 22 into 32. So if you have your apps, you can check, but you can just listen in. And the Bible says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while dismissing the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, baffled by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I want to give a little bit background to this text. Matthew 19 starts off with the death of John. John the Baptist has just been beheaded by Herod. And on Jesus hearing this news, he removes himself and goes to a desolate place, probably because Jesus loved John, and John meant so much to Jesus. And Jesus was in grief. He was in pain. So he decides, I'm going to just isolate myself, go to a desolate place, and go and mourn my friend. But while he's there, crowds start gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. And even though Jesus is in pain and is mourning, he looks at this crowd and to him they appear like sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on them. And then he starts to minister to them. So he starts speaking to them. He starts healing the sick and bringing good news to the brokenhearted. Now, that is kind of important because the Bible tells us that God of comfort comforts us when we are in time of need so that with the same comfort, we can comfort those who are in need. And Jesus being in a place whereby he needed comfort from his father, he went to a desolate place, but he didn't stay at that place. He saw others who are in need and he decided, I'm going to comfort them. The result of that was 
good news was proclaimed to people. Sickness was healed. And God's name was manifested. Now, as these crowds just continue pouring in and Jesus continue teaching and teaching, miracles are happening. The sick people are being healed. The brokenhearted are being given peace. There is a huge crowd that the disciples get worried as the wee hours of the night gets in. And they go to Jesus and they say, you got to send this crowd away. Because this is a desolate place. There is nobody who is going to find anything to eat here. So they better go and find something to eat. And Jesus challenges his disciples by telling them, you give them something to eat. But the disciples says, we cannot give them something to eat because there are over 10,000 people here. We only have two fishes and five loaves of bread. And Jesus says, bring it to me. And he breaks it and breaks it. And people sat down and they start eating. And everybody is fed. And after everybody is fed, 12 baskets worth of food is collected. Now, I don't know about you, but as a disciple of Jesus, I've just seen the biggest miracle I've ever seen. This is a desolate place where there are no shops. It's not a shopping center. It's not an area whereby people will familiarize themselves to going. But this desolate place is full of people. And these people, all their needs have been met. Those who are sick have been healed. Those who are hungry have been fed. Those who, had, who lacked peace have been given peace. The brokenhearted, their hearts have been mended. Won't you want to stay at this place? I don't know about you, but this is a place I'll just want to stay forever. Because the miracles is coming. And heaven has met earth at this place. So you can imagine the disappointment of the disciples when Jesus tells them, get in the boat, off you go. I want you to go to the other side. The Bible actually says that he made them get in the boat. So which means they were not willing to get in the boat. Because they were just like, we're going to stay here. And as I was preparing this, it just dawned on me that is sometimes how we are like Christians. We have established our little places of comfort. Church is one of them. I can stay in church forever because church is good. You get to meet people who are subscribing to the same thinking and the same thought. You get to meet people who are happy to worship God together with you. You get to meet people who are so lovely and so joyful, and you can just stay together, praying for one another, speaking the good news to each other, and it can be a comfort zone. And you can just say, let us grow here, and just stay here. But time and time again, Jesus comes and he says, no, get out of the church. Go out in the streets. Go out at your workplaces. Go and meet other people who you need to touch by what I have imparted on you. So they leave and they go. Now, in all his life, Jesus walked. We don't read anywhere in the Bible where Jesus is running or Jesus is riding a horse chariot or he's riding the best car in the city. Jesus walked everywhere. And that is why 
kind of the Christian life is likened to walking. Why is it important walking? Because walking is a steady pace. You are not in a rush, but you are not slow. You are not delaying, but you are making pace. You are making progress. And that is why the word of God tells us, let us walk in spirit. It also says, let us walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received. It also says that, let us walk as children of the light. It also says that, let us walk by faith and not by sight. And that was the aim of Jesus towards his disciples, encouraging them to walk by faith and not by sight. And that is why he's getting them from a place of plenty and taking them to somewhere that they feel like he is throwing them in the deeper end. But even as God sets us onto this journey of walking, he does not abandon us to ourselves. He is always with us. So Jesus walking, he walks to the mountain to pray. And as he goes, the disciples get in the boat. It was something simple for them just to cross over to the other side and wait for Jesus. But as they get in the boat, the waves and the wind start working against them. And they just start being pushed deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the sea. You might be here this morning, you are in your own little boat. And you feel like time and time again, the waves and the winds are just trying to push you deeper and deeper into the seas, into the deeper waters. And you might be thinking, how am I going to get out of this? You might try in your own energy, the way the disciples tried to row the boat and take it back on course. But they just kept being pushed farther and farther and farther. You might be feeling that this morning, but I want to encourage you and tell you, you are not alone. So as they are being pushed farther and farther, Jesus being on the mountainside praying all this time, he can see they are frustrated. He can see they are suffering. But what is he doing? He's praying for them. He's interceding for them, just as he tells us that right now he is at the right-hand side of God, praying and interceding for us. There isn't a moment in our lives that he leaves us on our own. He is always pleading our case before the Father. He is always interceding for us. So even though we might feel like the waves and the winds and the streams of life are taking us apart, but Jesus is always with us. So he comes to them. In the only means that he uses, that he knows. He comes to them walking on the water. And as they are struggling in this wind and the waves, it says that it was the wee hours of the morning. So they have been struggling through the night and the the winds have been pushing them. So this we are talking about from 4 a.m. till 6 a.m. So they've been on this all night. And then in the distance, they can see a figure coming on the water. And not only are they afraid now of the winds and the waves, now they can see this figure approaching and approaching and approaching. And they say, oh, it's a ghost. Because it's the only explanation that they can come up with. So their fear is even increased even further. Have you ever been at a point whereby you are in the depth and you are thinking, I just need one good news. 
And instead of getting one good news, you get even a more terrible news coming your way. This is where they were. So they cry out in fear. They are crying out because they are afraid. I have a word for you this morning. In our walk of faith, there is a fall that comes with our walk of faith. And one of the falls that come our way is fear. And if we don't check fear, if you don't check fear in your life, it turns out to be sin. Why does it turn out to feel? Because you feel in your heart that my God is not going to come through for me. You will feel in my heart that God is not going to come through this time. So I got to do something about it in my strength and energy. You will be afraid and you will think my God is not going to provide for me. My God is not going to sustain my needs. So I need to find a way to sustain my own needs. And your fear will turn to sin. But thank God, thank God for Jesus that he does not leave us abandoned for ourselves. He does not leave us in that place of fear, so he comes. And before they could even notice it was Jesus, he called out to them and said, Fear not. Have courage. It is I. It is I. I am coming. Now, I want you to think with me. They were terrified of two things. They were terrified of the waves and the winds which were moving them deeper into the sea. And then they were terrified of a figure that they saw in the distance coming towards them. But how did that turn out? The figure that they were terrified of was the very help and comfort that they needed. But they are wasting their time terrified of that figure, which was the very help that will come to them. The second thing they were terrified was the wind and the waves. Now, Jesus was at a much further distance because they couldn't identify it was Jesus. So Jesus spoke the word and said, do not be afraid. How did that word get to them? The wind and the waves that were terrified, they were terrified is the same wind and waves that carried that word so that it reached them where they were in the boat. I want to encourage you this morning that the very things that you are terrified of in your life, the very things that you are fearful in your life are the very things that will make you see God clearly. So instead of being fearful and terrified of those things, try to find God in those fears and in those terrible things that haunt your life. Because you will find God in each one of them. And time and time again, God has gone from Genesis to Revelation. God has gone to the extent of just encouraging us and insisting to us, do not be afraid. He told Abraham, when Abraham was afraid that he's not going to have anybody to inherit him, he said, Abraham, do not fear. I'll make you a father of many nations. Joshua, given a big responsibility to lead the children of Israel, 
God told him, Joshua, be of good courage. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. The children of Israel at the Red Sea, wondering what are they going to do with the armies of Israelites behind them. God told them, do not be afraid. You will see the hand of the Lord. That Gideon, a man who was given 300 army against army of thousands, God told him, I will give you victory. Do not be afraid. A young couple, Mary and Joseph, tasked with a big responsibility of bringing Jesus into the world. And they were fearful of all the cultures and circumstances around them. The, the, the angel told them, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Paul, running away and locking himself, fearful of speaking because of the opposition that was around them, because of people who wanted to kill him, and he thought that there isn't anybody that he's getting through. God told him, Paul, do not be afraid. Speak up. Do not be silent. Speak up because there are many people in this city. And then we see John in Revelation, thrown on a mountain of Patmos. There alone, with nothing and barrenness, he sees Jesus and Jesus tells him, John, do not be afraid. I am the beginning and the last. What are we afraid of? God encourages time and time again. We should not be afraid. So as Jesus is encouraging them and coming quick to them, Peter has got it. Suddenly Peter says, no, I'm not going to be afraid because Jesus is here. And the Bible says that, Peter says that, Lord, if that is you, call me to come. Now, you've got to love Peter. Because Peter wasn't even 100%, it was Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, he said, if it is you. He didn't say, I know that is you, Jesus. Tell me to come. He said, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. There is a word that the Lord has been speaking to your heart time and time again. And you keep wondering, is it God? Eric was saying that this morning. Is it really you, God, who is speaking that word? That word has been on your heart for so long. And God keeps telling you that word. And he wants you to be obedient to that word. And he keeps repeating it and repeating it. But you live in doubt wondering, is it really God telling me this? And sometimes as believers... We can look for excuses, not just to listen to the simple words that God is speaking. Because i got to tell you that sometimes the deepest things that God speaks to us are the simplest. But my problem is I want to look for a reason not to obey the simplest because I want an expounded explanation of what God wants me to do. I'm so thankful that Peter, being a good example here, did not wait for an explanation on how to walk on water, how he's, gonna, how he's going to balance, how he's going to take care of the waves. Peter just got the word, and he stepped out in faith.
what word has God been speaking to you? He might have been saying, go. Go. Wherever he is, he's sending you. You know where he's sending you. Go. He might be telling you, forgive. Forgive someone. Just do it. Don't go on reading books about forgiveness or listening to sermons about forgiveness. Just go do it. Forgive someone. He might be saying, believe. Believe in me. People have spoken to you several times about me. Just believe. He might be telling you, abide. Just abide in me. Oh God, but I got to do something. No, just abide in me. Rest. Rest in my presence. God is speaking to people this morning. And I don't know what word is speaking to you. But listen. Because thankfully, Peter listened. Now this makes me wonder. What will make a man, a man who is a fisherman, a man who knows very well about seas, what will make a man like Peter step out of the boat, step into the water, and start walking? This is crazy. Come on, think about it. We are talking about walking on the water. It had never happened before. It is unbelievable, unimaginable that anyone would walk on the water. What made Peter step out and step on the water and start walking? It is because of a word. He had a word from his master. He had a word from Jesus which said, come. What would make a man leave the comfort of their home and move to a, an indigenous place in Africa and in India and say, I'm going to help indigenous people know about Jesus? It's because of a word. What will make a young lady like Megan decide that I am leaving my family in the UK and I'm going to Hong Kong? To Japan, sorry. <laughs> there is a prophecy in there. <laughs> I'm going to learn about Japanese culture and Japanese people. And I'm leaving my family behind and anybody I know behind. And I'm going. It is because she has heard a word from God. What will make me walk in my community? Walk in my workplace and go and speak to someone and say, I'm going to pray with you. Let me tell you about Jesus. It is because of the word of God. What word is God speaking to you now? That word comes with power for you to be able to do what it is that he's telling you. Because Peter walking on water was not because of his faith. Peter walking on water was not because he was so good. Peter walking on water was because he obeyed the word. 
And when he obeyed that word, that word empowered him to do what the word says. But then there is a fall. The fall continues. So Peter is walking on the water. And I think as he steps in the water, he's walking, and his pace increases. As he looks at Jesus, his pace increases. His confidence increases. And he keeps walking and stepping and walking. But then the Bible says that he looked at the winds. And that gets me right where I am. Because I look at the wind. And I can just imagine me being Peter, walking on water. First I'm looking at Jesus and I'm making pace and I'm going. But then I think, hey, I'm walking on water. Check this out. Hmm? Where is my selfie camera? Hmm? I'm going to take a selfie. Oh, I got to post this. Oh, I'm just going to send a tweet. Oh, walking on water. Hashtag, hanging with Jesus. <laughs> Hashtag, check the guys in the boat. <laughs> but it's so typical of us as Christians. When God releases his power through his word in us and we start walking on water, we start ministering to people, we start doing things in his name, something in us wants people to know, oh, that's me. I got you to become saved. I got you to say you're going to be baptized. Oh, I prayed for you and you got healed. And that thing in us causes us to fall. But thank God that Jesus is never far away. And thank God also Peter recognized where his power and authority comes from. Do you know where your power and authority comes from? Because Peter knew and immediately as he started to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out and lifted him up. And Jesus told him, you of little faith. The word of God empowers us to do extraordinary things. Because it is not us doing it, but Christ doing through us. And Jesus tells Peter, you of little faith. But I, you know, it, I wonder, Peter walked on water. But Jesus said, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And, and, you know, I do believe Jesus had a smile on his face and grin on his cheek. You know, as he lifted Peter and he said, oh, Peter, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? He wasn't hammering down on him, you know. No. Nah. Because he's a loving God. But then that reminds me. If the little faith of Peter could walk on water, what would our little faith do? Because Jesus said that if you have a, sea, a faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and say go to the sea, and it will go to the sea. Now, that has never happened in history. Nobody has ever done that. Not that it's impossible, but nobody has ever done that. But I'm sure if Jesus had said, if you have 
faith, like a mustard seed, you can walk on water. And if we didn't have this account of Peter walking on water, we would still be saying, nobody can do that. It's, we, we know God can do it. We know it can happen, but why would you be walking on water in the first place? You know, no, it's not going to happen. But Jesus was giving an example to say, with your little faith, you can move mountains. With your little faith, in obedience to my word, I can use you to bring the nations. So, take a step with your little faith. Do not be afraid. Because even if you fail in your little faith, I am there to lift you up. I am always with you. So, do not be afraid to bring your little faith. I'll conclude by just quick three observations from this passage. Number one is, Peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but in the presence of Jesus. We so much time pray that the storm passes away, that we don't see storms and winds in our life. But the reality is, the absence of the storm does not bring peace. You'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than without a storm with no Jesus. So remember, in the storm that you are facing at the moment, your peace will be found because Jesus is with you in the storm. Our faith means stepping out. It is not faith unless we act on it. Faith is an action word. If you believe Jesus saves, step out. If you believe Jesus can heal, step out. If you believe Jesus can bring justice and reconciliation to the world, step out. Your faith is as good as you stepping out to obey what God has said. Without Jesus, we will all sink. None of us can do this in our energy. We do this only because of Jesus. So without Jesus, we all sink. And lastly, Worship should always be our response. When they got, when Jesus lifted Peter and put him in the boat, they all fell on their knees and they worshipped. When we know that it is God who has done that, when we know that it is his saving grace and mercy and love, the only thing we do is worship. And that is why Don Moran sang, my faith has found a resting place, not in a device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall play. Enough for me that Jesus saves. This ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. And I need no other argument. I need no other plea. Because it's enough Jesus died and that he died for me. I'm just going to invite the band to come up even as we finish. And we're going to sing a song on the stormy seas. And I just want you to spend a moment to just reflect. What is the word that God is speaking to me this morning? And like Peter, have faith to step in and say, I'm going to go according to the word that God is telling me. And I have faith that God is going to empower you in a more special way 
to continue doing what he has called you to do. Shall we bow our heads?